Welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this, this is Life Pairings. pairings. <laughs> because life is hard. So pair with alcohol. Spike that ball. Take down that receiver. Make the pigskin go into the goal thing. Uh, clearly, I have no clue. As today's pairing is NFL with Bud Light. We discuss shuffling, stealer, and narcissism. Ooh. Pretty fancy, Carla. Pretty fancy yeah. stuff here. Now, yeah. as we are totally in the dark on this subject, normally we are experts on everything. This one, not so much. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. We we brought on a guest. Uh, marketing strategist Kyron Dollywall is going to guide us. Woo! Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What's up, Karen? Uh, Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Uh, no problem. I'm excited. I'm excited. I listen to you guys, so I'm excited to get to uh, to chat a bit with you guys about something I really love. Yeah. yeah and we're... you also, Kyron, you designed our logos, so she's the one that made the fancy world with wine. And That is true. That is true. The it fancy fun world with wine. I, uh, I've been integrating them into our Instagram. I don't know if you've noticed. I've seen some of your Instagram things. I uh, messaged Carla uh, when you guys did the Hallmark. Oh um, yeah, episode. <laughs> You're like, Chate, stop it! I keep my favorite thing to do is to make <laughs> shitty Photoshop. I took an old <laughs> screenshot of a uh, Saturday Night Live episode, and then I just like in the worst way photoshopped our faces <laughs> onto it because I think that's very funny. Because it's like it is people are looking because I'm not good enough to make it look good, so I don't even try. I'm just like, how funny is this that I just like didn't even make it look like a? Fa- it's literally like a square that I used yeah. like this scissor tool to do. <laughs> <laughs> so why is the NFL uh, watching football? Why do you like football so much? What's it mean to you? Okay, so this is like something I had to think about because there's a million responses I could give and like go off on a huge tangent about, but I'll try to keep it somewhat short. Um, So I grew up an athlete, not in football, in soccer. Also called football by the rest of the world. (laughs) Um, Football has become a sport that I just feel this connection to. I was drawn to the sport because of the athleticism and the entertainment of it. And now football has become something I literally live, eat, and breathe by. I love everything about it. The teamwork, the dedication, the sportsmanship, the passion. Um, I really fell in love with the game in my early teenage years after watching the Steelers, which are my favorite team. And I am the type of sports fan in and I love all sports, that once I like something, I dedicate a lot of time into learning all aspects of it, immersing myself into the culture of it. Um, And I find that football constantly ties people together. It's a sport that makes people cry, angry, overjoyed. And for me, I'm so personally, definitely financially, I have a lot of of Steelers gear Um, and emotionally invested in. I think it's a medium where you can share emotional experiences with family, friends, and even strangers um, of just fans of the NFL or of your specific team. 
And it's sharing in that collective triumph and disappointment with millions of people that make you feel this connection. And I think on top of all that, for me, being a Steelers fan for over the last 15 years, um, to me, that organization, that team, the players, they're, they're a type of attitude. They're tough, they're blue collar, they're hardworking. Um, they bring this to the field every week, although this year, maybe not every week. Um, <laughs> they're not a finesse team. They get there and they do the dirty work. They struggle for every yard. And I just find that like for me personally, and I think for people of why they're so popular is people can relate to them. They aren't diva players who put themselves before the team. It's one cohesive unit that's really refreshing to see in modern sports now. And I think recently a lot of that is contributed by their leader and head coach, Mike Tomlin, who just brings a level of motivation that I think can be applied to to football, but also to life outside football. And I just really, just the way this man talks and what he says um, really resonates with me. And I think one of my favorite things he does or has said that I apply when I'm doing things is, more grounded, more humble, more selfless, makes us more opportunistic. Um, so that's a bit of my tangent of why I love this sport so much. That's, that might be our most like thoughtful answer yet. Yeah. Of like why oh, you like something. That was such a beautiful way. Uh, one thing that stood out majorly that you said to me is that, you know, like when you were describing the identity of the team, and that was something when I was researching stuff that I was like, Oh yeah, there's like a real identity to each team. Like you, you were saying, you know, the Steelers are really a blue-collar, get-or-done team. Like they're mm-hmm. really representative of the place they come from. And uh, yeah, that's something maybe not that only exists in the NFL, but it certainly is something that is very prevalent in the NFL. And I think that's really yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I think it's something that transcends all sports. Um, that sense of community or that sense of identity with certain teams. Um, yeah, you definitely, I think that you kind of hit that on that right on the head. It's that, that collective identity, that sense of community. We don't have, you know, most of us don't go to church anymore, but we will watch football or hockey and we have our team and we're, you know, connected to people that we don't know through that, whether they lose or win. Yeah, for sure. What is, uh, Carla, what does it mean to you? So I'm fairly new to the NFL thing. I've been trying for years to get into it. Um, this year I learned the rules and that seems to really help. <laughs> make, it does. Yeah. Make it a little more interesting. Now that I understand about downs, I'm like, oh, I see there's a point to stopping all the time because it's a little, it is a little too stoppy starty for me sometimes. Um, but it's also a weird, the whole, like the whole NFL thing really and why I wanted to do this episode it's a very complicated entity. Like there was the whole racism thing, um, you know, sexism, homophobia. There was a lot of people in the stands this more South you went this year, despite COVID. Um, there's like the whole brain smashing thing, but then it's also like very tied up in American identity. And yeah, I don't know. It's a very interesting sport, like more so than, you know, I'm a big rugby fan, but I don't know if there's the same complicated nature, I guess, to it. How about you, Brittany? 
the more we talk about it, the more interested I get. I, I've never mm. been a big NFL person. I've been more of a CFL person, which isn't a popular opinion, even among like CFL fans. Like even CFL fans will go like, <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> which is like, I just, I go to uh, CFL games. I love sports. I'm a person that just loves sports. And when, uh, when you were talking uh, uh passionate you get and you buy all the gear and you're so invested that's that's me with hockey so I'm like that with hockey and I've just never got that invested in uh football but I appreciate it because it's like it's one of those sports that it's like it's only an American sport the NFL Mm -hmm. only exists in America but you go to a job site I used to work on construction sites and the amount of Steelers gears and Packers you Packer you know Packer hats and like you know yeah. what I mean like the interim fighting on a construction site in Calgary Alberta <laughs> about the Steelers and the Packers is like a hilarious thing to me you know what I mean it's like I like I'm very much I'm like who cares but I can under I understand very much how much I love hockey and how much I'm invested in those teams so if you get me talking about that I'm just like so I appreciate it um I have one negative thing to say about the NFL uh, and Super Bowl is that uh, my birthday is January 30th and it always fucks with it and everybody's always like "Ooh, can you do your birthday like the weekend before and I'm like can you I don't care what Tom Brady is doing yeah I'm turning 27 five years ago (laughs) (laughs) Um, there are those really inconsiderate people too, though. I will say from the other side who have had their weddings on Super Bowl oh. Sunday, and those are just people like I don't want to be friends with. <laughs> You're just like, listen, you know, there's a, that I can't stand that when there's already a thing that a lot of people are doing. You're like, yeah, don't, yeah, don't have your wedding. your wedding on along May long. We want to go camping and yeah. get rained on. <laughs> We're doing stuff, so. Yeah. <laughs> I get you. Um, a lot of what uh, we talked about kind of in the what it means to us uh, section is uh, very much what uh, comes up when uh, I looked into the psychology of everything, you guys. Um, I kind of uh, went more to the side of the fans. Like, why do we not, not necessarily the players? I think that's another conversation and maybe one that I'm not skilled enough to have. But I looked more as it, or like, uh, I looked into it more as a fan. Why Why is the NFL more popular? And when I say more popular, I mean the most popular. It is the, uh, most, it is the most profitable sport in the world. Really? Yeah. That's insane. Because they have a very, what I would consider a very short season. Yep. Right? It's what, uh, is it six months? It's no. yeah, it's not very long. Karen Dean Hall. Yeah, season starts in um, September. Preseason starts in August, and Super Bowl is played first weekend normally of February. So oh, so like five months almost. Yeah, yeah, and then fans just suffer for the rest of the year waiting for it to come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sorry, before you say that, are they also the best? Pl- they're they're not the most paid though, right? That's. Baseball, no, because players, uh, right? the players don't get that. They're not that well paid. The I know the MLB mm. comes up pretty high. Uh, baseball players, they're some of the highest paid baseball players, but also uh, soccer players are paid pretty highly. Oh, ranked. Yeah, yeah, it has to do like on the business side, the cap that they've put on oh. it. The same way in the NHL, of certain players you'd think would make so much more money because um, they're look at how long their season is and how much they're bodies like have a toll taken on during the season yeah um 
And NFL players actually only get paid during the season for the weeks. Like they get game checked. So oh. there, it's a 17 week period and each team has one bye week um, before playoffs or anything for the mm. teams that do make it. That's like, that's such a, that's like an, <laughs> it's just like keeping the man down, isn't it? They're just yeah. like, well, You're tell you what, we'll pay you by game, bud. You're like, they're like the <laughs> hourly wage employees of major league sport. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, so like, like I said, it's the, it is, the, it is the most popular sport. It is the most watched sport in any country. It is like, it's an insane, the statistics are insane. Um, what was I looking? Oh, here. The overall profit is $984.5 million a year. Oh. So it is the most profitable sport in the world. It's insane. So I was, yeah. I was looking into why do people like it so much? And there are like the, like we discussed earlier, you know, like of any sport, cheering for a team is, is so good for you people want to do it together. It's, it's a combination of city pride. You know, it's something you can do together as a city or a town. It bonds us uh, just like as human beings, we crave bonds and we, we just generally feel like we want to belong. You know, I was right. watching a pretty cool uh, sports YouTube channel called secret base. And they had on a professor from Murray state university uh, named Daniel Wan. And he was just talking specifically about the benefit of being a fan. So he says, identifying with local teams gives you a sense of belonging. And studies have shown that people who cheer for teams suffer less feelings of alienation and loneliness, anxiety, and depression. Um, so you're just like, because there's this sense of belonging, you you want to be part of a club. You're The more you are with a community, you're going to feel less of those things. One thing that I thought was really neat was there's a study done called the Terror Management Theory. And it's about fans of highly successful teams uh, uh, care less about dying. They've like come really? to terms with their morality. Yeah. The ones that are more successful. Yeah. So you've just like, okay. I don't know why it's, he says, when you become aware of your own morality, we seek out groups to bond with. And one of the most popular groups to bond with is in our society is uh, sports teams. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's some really interesting things about just being a part of any club, um, that play into this, but it's the specifics of the NFL that I found really interesting. Uh, and we were talking a little bit earlier about their season. Like they have marketed, this is one of the most well-marketed sports in the entire planet. Uh, the NFL games are played once a week over a 17 week regular season. Each team plays 16 games. That means Every single games counts, you know, so right. in the MLB for baseball, some of those teams are playing, you know, five times oh, a week. God, yeah. Yeah. There's so many games. So they've tried to make money, like overplaying the players and more time, you know, more games, more attendance, more TV time. But the NFL has like, they're like, nah, it's once a week <laughs> and everybody watches those games. Um, right. So, and then like they're uh, it's also uh, integrated into the culture of Americans, you know, it's mm. part of your school. It's part of your community. It's part of your family time. It's part of your city. It's like, you know, it, even just watching a game, there's a whole day event around it. You know, like you go right. tailgating, you, you eat certain foods, people, it's just so integrated into their culture, movies, 
high schools surround their entire identity around their football teams. Yeah, but my sure, uh, I feel sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say. So when you're saying though that so every team plays um, once a week because football now has taken over Mondays. You've got Monday night football, Thursday night football, which is usually huge rivalry games, and then you got Sunday, which is just all day. Um, and then during holiday season, um, on holidays, they also play yeah, Saturday. Yeah, Thanksgiving, right? American Thanksgiving yeah, is like a American big. Thanksgiving is huge. And the one thing I'll say when Brittany's saying that it's become such a culture and people watch it so much, I've looked at it, especially with Sunday, that football has really taken away for Americans just based on their ratings. Um Sunday used to be for church for so right. many people yeah. and it's become that cult religion that right. Sundays now are football. So when Brittany's saying all that tailgating, the family time, people are still getting that family time that they used to get when they went to church together. But now the family's getting together and having a Big great drunk. time watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of drinking, of drinking, drinking eating chicken wings. <laughs> chicken wings beat church every time. And you know what, that too, like I was, I, I didn't mention this too, but that was something that uh, the uh, professor there, Daniel Wan, had mentioned was fandom is close to religion on a psychological scale. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. he, he went into talking about like, it, it, it is so close to the way we view uh, like religious groups like we act right. the same way about it so like that's funny that you mentioned that you're like yeah now sundays are like used to be a very religious days and they still kind of are in a certain way but it's like for a sport to take over an entire day like i'm not a fan but when i think sundays i think football i think oh yeah. i bet you everybody's watching football yeah yes yeah. um, so i have a question about how this isn't really sick i guess it's psychology um okay so for because when i lived in the uk obviously the other football is the big thing so you, depending on, it's not where you live, what team you cheer for. So like in hockey, like I cheer for the Flames because I'm from Calgary, even though I lived in Vancouver, I still always cheer for the Flames. In like British football and soccer, it's generally in the UK at least, it's who your dad or grandfather cheered for. Right. So how does that work in NFL? Is it just... I think for some families, it's where what their or for some people, it's what their parents or grandparents watched and who they supported, maybe where their family first was. Um, right. Or for some people like with me, I before becoming a Steelers fan, I'd never been to Pittsburgh. Um, now it's one of my favorite cities to go to. But I think it just has to do with your for a lot of people, your personal connection or identity as an individual, um, if that doesn't come passed down from your family. So in my family, my dad, I guess the first team he grew up cheering for was the Dallas Cowboys, which I mean, are right. labeled America's team, um, which <laughs> yeah. the Steelers owner um, years ago, a long, long time ago, um, I believe in the 70s or 80s said that's fine we're not America's team but we're the world's team because they are a team that their fandom transcends the country and the borders they're they're very popular especially south of the border of the U.S. Oh, okay. and so I feel like for some people it's a family thing. Um, how did Kyron, for, how did you find Steelers then? So it was I think I was 
12 or 13, I just happened to be away for a soccer tournament and had the opportunity to watch the Steelers play against the 49ers in San Francisco. Oh, nice. And, and it was their, their kind of their identity that really shone through to me. My brother's a 49ers fan. He wasn't oh, with okay. me, but so I was like, oh yeah, I'll go because of this. Like I, I'd watched football before, but I wasn't immersed in it. And then it was watching them play um, watching a player like Troy Polamamu, who is as an athlete and as um, his drive and his integrity and how hard he works, even though I was a soccer player, is something I looked up to a lot. And for me, it was that identity of them, that toughness, that hard work, that the fact it was hard hitting. Um, and yellow also happened to be my favorite color. So maybe that as a 12 year old factored into it. And then, yeah, then yeah. from there, I just started what I would say was a healthy relationship being a fan. <laughs> Although sometimes I guess with the psychological toll it takes on me, I'd say unhealthy at times. <laughs> it because is Because I, I know I'm not a part of the team, but I act as though... <laughs> what I do or the way I act or what I wear has an effect. You know what? That was something else that the professor said as well, that he was like, that's something that happens when you're such a big fan of, uh, of a sports team is that you, you start feeling like their accomplishments are your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. So that's like you have control over. Oh yeah. Like if I left the room accidentally to go to the bathroom and the flame scored, I like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't That's watch the rest of the game. Yes. Yeah. I've made my husband stand in the kitchen because they scored. And I'm like, you have to live there now for the rest <laughs> of the season. <laughs> you live in the kitchen. Yeah, it's definitely, sure. um, it's, it's an interesting thing. The, uh, I, uh, the only NFL team I, I will say that I might, I potentially identify with is the Buffalo Bills. Why? Okay. You ask me? Because I asked for a Doug Flutie jersey uh, <laughs> when I was like 11 years old. And I wanted a uh, Calgary Stampeders Doug oh. Flute jersey, not oh. a Buffalo Bills Doug yeah. Flute jersey. I but... only found out that Doug Flutie played for uh, NFL yesterday while I was doing research for this because I knew him from yeah from the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah. Well, I was all pumped up. I was like, I'm going to get my stamps jersey. It's going to be a Flutie jersey. Uh, and I asked all my girlfriends because they were like, pick a present and we'll all go in on it. And I was like, okay, I want a Doug Flutie jersey. But I didn't realize that I should have like <laughs> I told seventh grade girls that what specific jersey it was that, that they wouldn't know. And I'm sure they just went to like Sports Swap or something and they were like, do you have anything Doug Flutie? And they were like, we have the Buffalo Bills somewhere in the back that nobody's bought for 10 years. Well, I think it was in... 2006 or something that TSN rated him the Flutie the greatest Canadian football league player of all time because he won three great cup champions and I think one of them was with the Stampeders and then two with I think Toronto yeah he went to Toronto and then he went to Buffalo and then I think he went somewhere after Buffalo yeah he's a and he was also, even in college, he was a huge deal because he was a Heisman Trophy winner, which is awarded to the top um, collegiate Can you imagine player. being a Heisman Trophy winner and then having to go to the CFL? Ooh, that's a kick in the old teeth rama. <laughs> hey, The Rock played for the CFL, so right? let's not be too disparaging. And his football career went, <laughs> sure went a long way. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, and the last sort of point I was going to mention too is um, uh, just uh, on the psychological aspect was uh, about the championship game, the Super Bowl. Obviously, um, every other sports franchise or the majority of I won't say every other but I mean the big ones the NBA the MLB the Stanley Cup you know uh they're all like a series thing they're like a seven games you know mm-hmm. the NFL is mm-hmm. one yeah. game I didn't even know there was playoffs until this year I just <laughs> thought they just pick the two best teams and they go to the Super Bowl <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I mean, <laughs> not quite. But. <laughs> you got to learn the downs first, and then you can learn yeah. the playoffs. And then, yeah, and then one day I'll get to how they score those goals with the pig thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also uh, it's this it's basically the same time every year, right? Like it's a set date. Yeah, yeah. So, so it usually, yeah, like so it usually falls that first thing. weekend, right? This weekend um, is uh, the Pro Bowl weekend, but obviously with COVID. So the Pro Bowl for used to be in LA for, I think, 23 out of the 29 seasons at the Coliseum years and years ago. And then they decided to move it to Honolulu because oh. what players don't want to go to Hawaii and take their families. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's all the players that aren't playing in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl players, obviously, if your teams made it, you're not going to the Pro Bowl. And this year, because of COVID, they're doing a online, I believe, like a a Madden type game. So players will be streaming. um, Which is just weird because (laughs) for first year players who made it, um, is a huge accomplishment and it kind of well I mean so many people are in this situation yeah with COVID um, but they miss out on that whole experience of, of what it is and getting to play with other elite athletes that aren't on your team oh so it's like um like it's a mix of, t- of people yeah so team. of the oh, divisions okay. of the AFC and the NFC and players get voted in right and then then they play with their division against each other. Oh, yeah, it's like the cool. all-star game in the, yeah, yeah exactly like the all-star game. That's yes. Cool. Um, my family lives in Hawaii and they were like, they'd be very excited Ooh. about it coming every year. Um, and they showed me, they were like, Oh yeah, that's where they used to play the pro bowl. But now it's like a fair, like they, it was an older stadium that they right. just turned in. I can't remember if they still play in that stadium or if, and then when they're not there, nothing happens there. So they just put, <laughs> there's like a, basically like a street, a street fair that goes in there every weekend. It's like a market. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I think I was so, cause I think from 1980 ish to 2016, they played it always at Aloha stadium. That's what, yeah. There. Now that's uh, um, now, sorry, it got changed. So they have a new multi-year um, deal that's ongoing um that's in somewhere in florida i think orlando oh nice. for the past oh, couple years so it hasn't been in hawaii for the last little bit since i think 2016 was the last year that makes more sense see huh. i was Why like everything in florida <laughs> well it seems like florida has you know like they just have the space to do insane things true yeah that's true like with the nba they put the nba all in florida because they had enough basketball courts to right. do it right. and yeah 
and enough like like it's insane what the nhl just they just looked at cities when they made uh when they were making the covid bubbles they just looked at cities that could potentially have a hotel that could house an entire the entire nhl yeah and next to an arena that was a walking distance i'm sure and low enough numbers i'm sure that's what they put into for and i think with florida they had that just big enough uh, venues to to hold everybody Mm. Mm -hmm. because the baseball was there too for a little while wasn't it yeah i think so sweet give us your uh, give us the history carla all right well i uh i actually am uh, like well i don't know if i've mentioned i'm a chicago bears fan <laughs> for probably the only reason is that either i had some kind of subliminal messaging from the christmas vacation national lampoon film or um from was it snl the bears I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Also, they're blue, and I like the color blue. So you know what, Kyron? I think the yellow thing, that's what what it is. We just like the colors. We're girls. I mean, I was a 12-year-old. Right. But that's okay. Well, I was a (laughs) 30-something-year-old. But the Um, psychology, the thought is the same. Right, yes. Uh, I also really like Chicago, even though I've only been to the airport. Uh, They have a lot of good rom-coms set there. Uh, anyways, sure. yeah, uh, this is actually a little bit more recent in history. So my, yes, I'm cutting history off at, uh, 1990. That's, I've decided that's <laughs> for now, <laughs> or 1990 is history. Um, so I'm actually going to talk about the Super Bowl shuffle. Have you guys heard of this? I have not. I don't think so. I oh don't. my goodness. Well, hold on. Okay, let's hear the story. <laughs> okay. So this is the Chicago Bears team of 1985. Their receiver, I don't know what that means. Does he catch the ball? I guess he catches the ball. Yeah. Okay. He got half of the roster to join as rappers, dancers, or oh, parts of the oh. band uh, to sing this song called the Super Bowl Shuffle. Uh, I'm going to play you a little clip here and hope we don't get sued. <laughs> I mean, really, let's be honest. Who's, I don't know if this will play, but we'll try. Okay. Here we go. It's a great song and it's been stuck in my head since I did the research for this. So that sounds like the 80s, right? That sounds yeah. pretty 80s easy. <laughs> uh, they seem to have gotten all the instruments, like bingo for 80s. Um, they even, so they released this in December, on December 3rd, 1985. They had done very, very well that season. Uh, and they actually only lost one game, which is when the day after they recorded the music video for this. Ooh. So they were all sad that day. But, I mean, they won game out of, what, 16? Um, so they actually weren't sure they were going to the Super Bowl, I guess. Right? At that time in December? Yeah. No. Um, okay. So They didn't but, know if they were going to the – well, with that record of only losing one game, you'd be going to the playoffs. Okay. So they're, it's the claim, you know, wasn't that they, they were going to win it. It was just that they were doing a dance, and it was called the Super Bowl Shuffle. So, you know, it's not bra- bragging. 
Uh, <laughs> and then they they personalized the lines for all ten players who rapped. Oh Jesus! So it was pretty. It's pretty bad. It's really bad. Um, but it peaked at number forty one in February of nineteen eighty six on Billboard one hundred or Billboard Hot one hundred chart, and it sold half a million copies. Uh, and this was all for a charity. They wanted this money to go to uh, the Chicago Community Trust, which helps needy families in Chicago with food, clothing, and shelter. Um, they even sort of said in it, you know, we're not being something. We're just trying to help the feed the people or something. It even got nominated for a Grammy Award for the best R&B performance by a duo of our group. Would you like to know who they lost to? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prince's the Prince's Kiss. Oh, that's a pretty good song to be against. Very good song. Thankfully, they lost to them. But like, how <laughs> is that even in the same criteria? I have no idea. Also, just uh, like I, it's it's not like you know their head was in the right place and everything like that. Mm-hmm, but that's like mm-hmm. a Jinxorama song. Like that's like playing the shutout shuffle. <laughs> Like you're not yeah. even supposed to say the word shut out during a no. game. You're like, no. or just, we just recorded a song for when we win. Yeah. Or <laughs> saying the word undefeated. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Actually, Carla, but they didn't win the Super Bowl that year, did they? They did. In 85? No. 86. So they recorded it in December of 85. Okay. And they, they recorded won that it the year. whole year. And oh, no, I get it. No, like for three months. Um, so they won against the Patriots. I guess fucking Tom Brady was around back then uh, in Super Bowl Twenty. So okay. yeah. So actually, like there, there were people that refused to be part of it because they thought it was going to jinx them. But also the VH copy of this music video. So obviously, I don't remember how that was worked back in the day. I just remember you watch music videos on Much Music and you had to uh, record on your VHS yeah. a music video. Kyron, I don't know if you has YouTube been around the whole time. You know? No, no, I know VHS is. Don't. Worry. Oh, okay, good. I, I, don't I used wanna... to. I used to like set up my recordings. Right for Barney. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he's also probably was nominated for best R&B performance. Uh, so that VHS copy, I guess you would sell it. I don't know, but it threatened the sales of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Like I'm super confused <laughs> about what the hell happened. And this was like a, they were there's fans not just from Chicago. This is like all over the world. I it blows my mind. It's so funny, but it is peak peak like 80s. Eventually, three thousand dollars went to the Chicago Community Trust. They were not the first sports team to have a song. The Cincinnati Red Stockings, which I think was a baseball team back in 1869. And just as soon as I read that name, I just like from the producers, like, keep it gay, keep it gay, keep it gay, came into my head. Um, They would sing to the audience at the beginning of the game, which is, I think, a really cute thing. Um, And then I guess there's this other weird thing for FA Cup final qualifying english teams would celebrate with recording a song i love it I, <laughs> you dude, dude it's so funny <laughs> like because these songs never are good like mm. like even when they were like uh chi- they made a song for Cal- the calgary flames chilling at the dome with jerome 
And it was not a hot beat. It was (laughs) not as fresh as one would hope. It was the worst. But everybody (laughs) loves it because it says your team and it rhymes and it has your favorite players in it. So everyone, like, everyone rocked a chillin' at the Dome with Jerome shirt (laughs) forever. I just, you know, those kinds of things, like, they're so bad. They're so good. Yes. You can't help but, like, love it. And I think it probably goes back to that community thing. Like, you know it's dorky. You know it's kind of a parody. But it's part of your yeah. Your but you're an insider. You know you know yeah. what it's about. Exactly. You're like, oh, yeah, that line about blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's um, insane how, like, like, especially clothing, like, if one person has it, how everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. like my buddy sells t-shirts of bears and wolves on his uh, and they're like fluorescent green I don't know where you would wear this shirt <laughs> but we one time played like a, a hockey arena and people saw like three people with these shirts on and I swear I went to the bathroom and came back and 87 people had these shirts on and I was yeah. like what happened he's like it just started catching <laughs> on and he was like I don't have any more shirts we have to leave <laughs> He made more money that night on selling shirts than he did performing at the gig. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. people love it. People are a little bit of living. Yeah. No. This was a little bit problematic because nobody actually checked with the head of head office of the Chicago Bears if they could do this. It was just like <laughs> one guy and then he talked to like a player and then the player got everybody on. So they were, I think they'd probably already recorded and the the head office was whatever you call that. What's was that head office of? Yeah, like all the management. Yeah, their they head were, office. Okay, they were concerned it was boastful, and uh, they also needed confirmation on how they were going to feed the needy, as the line is in the song. Um, <laughs> like it wasn't very. They were just like, "Well, just give it to charity." Turns out you can't like just do that. Um, <laughs> The label wanted to give 15% of the profits. Head office wanted to give 50% of the profits. But then they were told that it actually, for this kind of thing, you have to give 75%. That's the law. So I guess no one was happy. This dragged on into 1987. uh, And then finally, $331,000 was donated to Chicago Community Trust. Each player that was got a speaking part got uh, $6,000 each. And they all donated their their uh, salary, but six of those players, so there's ten of them, um, in, filed a lawsuit in 2014 claiming that the additional payments for the merchandising and distribution of the video should also be going to charity because I think it's just still been running and the money goes yeah. to whoever runs it. And there's been a bunch of like reunion stuff and covers. The League, which is a TV show, a great TV show, did the Shiva. Is it good? Okay. Uh, the Shiva Bowl Shuffle, which was the parody done by Nick Kroll, who was amazing. <laughs> and it features all his characters from his fantasy football league singing this Shiva Bowl Shuffle song. I love Nick Kroll. I know. Well, that is, if you guys ever get an opportunity to watch that show, I mean, it's, I started playing fantasy football before I started watching that show. And right. that just fueled just so many interesting and fun things into our league. Oh, okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, that's, Uh, I just got involved in fantasy hockey and I have made fun of uh, people for playing fantasy sports my entire life. Call everyone nerds. And I cannot stop. 
I'm screaming at the TV. If I go up one point above somebody, I'm like sending them harassing messages. (laughs) Like I'm like, in your face, bud, how's Loserville feel? And I'm so involved in it that it's like, it's become now my poor sister who we live together. She's like, are any of your guys playing tonight? And I'm like, yeah, Kelsey. And she's like, I thought we could maybe just have a nice. I'm like, no, Brock Besser's playing it. Like, it's so, I'm obsessed. Oh, you have a Canuck on your team. I've got, I have Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, and Bo Horvat. I've got three Canucks on my team. Oh, wow. I'm a, actually, I'm like a secret little, uh, I'm a dirty little secret fan of the Canucks. I love them a she lot. Is. She is. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> um yeah i remember the other thing too and i'm guessing like fantasy football is is massive in the states as well right um and soccer is big in the uk and my favorite thing about it because i also joined knowing nothing about any of the teams i again picked a team because of its color everton (laughs) but the the fact that everybody comes in and this is i think just in general with sports everybody becomes a a doctor if there's an injury and trying to bet on like how long that person's going to be playing or playing out. Like you're suddenly very concerned about somebody's torn ankle or like shoulder injury. I'm like how long they're going to be out and how that's going to affect the team and da, 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 da. So it's very, that's like, there's just so many aspects to like sports and games and all that stuff. That's in, it just, it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Fantasy football is, or just fantasy sports in general are huge. And I know for fantasy football, there's over well over now 60 million people that oh, are wow. fantasy football owners. And it started in the 1960s. And it's just, really? I mean, How it's did they do it back huge... then? I guess they just had to hang out and write papers. Well, yeah. My dad like just has together. been playing fantasy hockey forever. Like he's had a, like a pool and they just used to draft them, like write them all down. And then and right. they had computer like I mean they entered them into the computer but like like up until like the last ten years there hasn't been like Yahoo Sports it was like office pools right right yeah and people are so invested like I know for me because of what you mentioned Carla with the injuries you're constantly checking things or you're constantly yeah. checking the waiver wire or trying to make trades before a game if a player of yours isn't gonna come off um, the injury list and. So you spend hours and hours during the week and I'm not saying I've ever done this at work, but Uh there's a lot of people (laughs) at at work sometimes check on these things. Mm. And the majority of the people that I play fantasy football with are from the East Coast because they're my university friends. Um, And we've played in a league for, for over 10 years together now. And but there was like a random fact of a study that was done where they were trying to calculate how much um, fantasy footballs cost employers and lost productivity. (laughs) 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 And that number, and I don't know if it was a hundred percent true, but I just remember it being around $13 billion of lost productivity. (laughs) And I was like, wow. I don't know why things like that just make me like smile, but I sort of love knowing like huge corporations are just losing money to like people just being like trading their fake football (laughs) players in the middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I like it so much. That and people look up how much time people pooping wastes. Oh, I love it. 
Very true. <laughs> no, but that's when you brought up the the Shiva Bowl from the league. Right. The, um, like the characters in that, like one's a doctor or dermatologist, one's one's a lawyer. So these are, and that's like very true for who plays. Like people in my league, like our business professionals, um, CPAs, lawyers, physiotherapists. So these are people that should be fully concentrated at work but during <laughs> fantasy football. I, I don't know about the dermatologist, but <laughs> a doctor just it... throws his phone back into you. Right? <laughs> He's like, oh no. He's like, like, oh, not yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. That's pretty funny. Mm. All right. Brittany, do you have a news story? Oh, I have a news please, story. Please let it involve fire and Florida. Like... <laughs> Did they any of them? <laughs> Well, you know what? I thought we'd get one more Trump story in while we had the chance. God knows we aren't all fucking so sick of them we could puke. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this article I found uh, in The Guardian is entitled The Day Donald Trump's uh, Narcissism Killed the USFL. <laughs> I was hoping we were going to talk about this because I only know a little bit about it, but I, I don't know the whole story, so I'm excited. Essentially, uh the USFL ran from 1983 till 1985, I believe. Right. Yep, that's correct. Uh, it and it ran for about three seasons, and it uh, it folded. And their hope was that the the NFL would just absorb them, and they right. would buy the teams off of them. Uh, Donald Trump was an owner of the New Jersey Generals, uh, and the USFL filed a $1.32 billion antitrust lawsuit against the NFL. So uh, they, they were saying it's a monopoly and you, are, you have a complete monopoly over the market and we can't exist because you guys exist. So their hope was that they'd either win the lawsuit or that the NFL would absorb them. So it was going pretty well uh, until old fucking... Orangey McLoudmouth <laughs> stepped in and just started being a dink. So uh, I'll just read a uh, rate from the article because uh, I feel like they did a pretty good job. As the as its third season came toward a close, the United States Football League filed an antitrust lawsuit against the NFL, claiming it had established a monopoly with respect to tele- television broadcasting rights. The suit was led by Donald Trump, the New Jersey's the New Jersey Devils owner who was convinced his league would well, not win. New Jersey Devils, that's the hockey team. The New Jersey Generals. Ooh, yes. That's some fucking <laughs> that's some deep rooted hockey fan stuff that just happened. Oh, I, I just was like, nothing else exists. Naturally. <laughs> well, also New Jersey Generals just does not that doesn't make any sense. And also, of course, he would be the owner of a team called the Generals. Like not Yeah, hard. exactly. He's got his own little army. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he was a, the owner of the New Jersey Generals, who he was convinced his league would win. As a result, force a merger with the NFL. Held over 42 days in the United States District Court of Manhattan, it was one of the most eagerly anticipated trials in the history of modern sports. And the USFL seemed to have a good start until Trump stepped up. 
so I won't go through and read uh, word for word. I wanted to give you just a little uh, summarization of what happened. So they were trying to they were trying to make it sound like it was like a David and Goliath thing. So it was like, oh, the small little team or the small little league is trying to exist, and the NFL uh, prevents it from happening, and nobody's watching us. But the uh, lead lawyer from the NFL, uh, Rothman said he asked himself a single question who is the bad guy somebody the jury would or he sought out someone the jury would find difficult to believe and even harder to like and that person was donald trump (laughs) because uh their whole thing was like these guys are not that small it's Mm. donald trump is one of the richest men in the world owns one of the teams so they started saying instead of uh, David and Goliath, he started to call it Don- Donald versus Go- Donald versus Goliath, uh, which just the jury immediately hated him. Right, and he stepped up onto uh, as soon as he stepped up on the stage or the stand, he just pretty much ruined the entire fucking lawsuit. He uh, <laughs> he got up there and started running his mouth. Everybody hated him so much that they pretty they they blamed the entire loss of that lawsuit on Donald Trump. Right. So they lost the lawsuit. It never happened. So the league folded and uh yep, that was it. They didn't get absorbed. It didn't get they didn't get the payout. Nothing happened. They basically it basically just folded and it was uh uh his fucking dumb fault. Oh, Don, Don, Don's fault. Um, uh, fun fact about your your um generals team there. Yeah in that league, a player who you said that you liked, Flutie, he actually played for that team. Did he play for the yeah, but only for yeah, but only for one year. And his, I I remember he he got hurt, and he uh, never finished the season with them. But yeah, he Trump signed him to play. Oh, anybody yeah. associated? I'm always just like so disheartened. But it was also like 1983, so I'll yeah, yeah, he was fresh out of college, like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, was this the thing? Like, I, I. So we talked earlier about how it's only uh, five months out of the year. So if you had a league playing the other, I'm like, what's twelve minus five? <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the month. Seven. Uh, no. uh, thank you. Uh-huh. No. Nope. Yeah, it is. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Math. Look at us. We're good. <laughs> um, the argument, so I don't know, was this during the same time period or was this during the off season? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it would have been played during the same. Because if same they had just time. done off season, they probably would have made a shit ton of money and like done okay, right? That's my opinion. Yeah. What was also what was the um? So this wasn't the only league that started up. There was another league recently that started up as a competitive league. It, it tried to, didn't it? It was like arena football the though. Or arena, yeah. And didn't yeah. he have some, didn't Trump have some investment in that as well? Probably. Yeah. Damn it, Trump. Stop touching stuff. Break, quit breaking stuff. Everything was fine. You gotta, you gotta look at like, no disrespect to like new leagues that want to come in, but when so many of these leagues already overlap and the billions of dollars in, in the TV rights and marketing rights and sponsorship deals and all that exists. Like, do you really think you can compete with right. the NFL, the NHL, the NBA football oh, yeah. in the, in Europe? Like these are all, or the MLB out here. Like they're 
well, you got the four major sports in the U.S. and they all overlap. Yeah, I never thought about thinking them as a as a, a monopoly, but I guess they are. Well, yeah, they're right. Like, how how do you do a competitor? And well, there's been a couple. I know in hockey there was the WHA that started up, and they played seven seasons. Um, and that would that's an interesting look as well. But it it is. It's just basically people like the. You know, even in comedy, you don't go into a market where there's a small market and there's one comedy club and everybody goes there. You don't put another comedy club there. It's right. a bad investment because no, everyone's like, well, we know and trust this thing. Because how many NFL teams are there? 32. Okay. So is that more or less than hockey teams? More. More. So, like, you basically have all your cities covered, right? Yeah, because NFL is 32. NHL, I think, has 31. Hold on. NHL. Now with with Vegas? Oh, and Unless, well, I guess I'll have 30. Yeah, so 32, I guess, yeah. now. Um, NBA has 30. I know that. So that's a lot of... Yeah, I mean, you you basically have to go into a city, create a compete with a competing league and a competing yep. team within that city. So, what are you going to go into Pittsburgh and be like, "Hey, you think you loved the Steelers? What about <laughs> the Plasticers?" <laughs> well, interesting. We you should be I a like team member. That's good, Brittany. <laughs> the plasticers. <laughs> They're not making steel in Pittsburgh anymore. You like but the oilers. Good. What about the environmentally friendly solar powers? <laughs> Ooh, there so, you go. See, that can compete. Yeah. Guys, I'm like pretty... <laughs> I'm pretty into You just this. make an entire league on, on uh, uh, teams that just have... Updated team names? Right? <laughs> but that's the thing. These leagues, like, there's no other football league like to the extent of it well really no professional and like american football league can you talk about the drink because that's as much a part of the nfl that is as much a drink is a huge part tailgating uh you know i don't okay hold on this is a question i have about tailgating sure how do you tailgate and then you drive home (laughs) well one person doesn't (laughs) drink Oh, yeah, okay. so usually you're never you have there. a designated driver, or oh, I think okay. some people the way at some stadiums when you buy parking, um, you can leave it overnight. Oh, that's good. The, a lot of these teams, based on their marketing, part of it is trying to make the um, the stadiums accessible so people don't have to drive. Right. I remember the first time I went to a game in Pittsburgh. Um, instead of taking an Uber or walking or whatever, my dad and I took a river cruise oh, to the state. <laughs> and it just, it was the coolest thing ever. Just like yeah. such a neat thing. So. So is tailgating kind of dying a death then? Because like, oh, if no. I think about no, like, no. oh, okay. But there's You're organizations still... or teams, um, like fans, groups of teams that have, their tailgates that they set up that they bring caterers and stuff in for. Oh, wow. so you don't actually need to have a vehicle like i've tailgated in pittsburgh and i definitely have never driven out there people are very friendly so they just include you oh, into it that nice. yeah that was something in the in the psychology that i read as well just like specifically about the tailgating is like that's like an experience unto itself it's like tailgating is like this 
huge thing where everybody goes, everyone's invited. Every you go from truck, you're, everyone's talking and dancing and music and food and like it's a big fun thing. That sounds amazing. Can so we have awesome. CFL back so that we can have tailgating? <laughs> All right. Well, so for the drink, mm. uh, we decided. Uh, what would be the most appropriate beverage to uh, pair with the NFL? Well, how about the uh, drink that sponsors it, which is, you guessed it, Bud Light is the official beer of the NFL since 2011. And it has renewed its sponsorship through uh, 2022 Super Bowl. So uh, the its uh, parent company, uh, and Hauser busch paid 1.4 billion dollars to do so oh for how long it from 2011 through to the 22 uh uh 2022 super bowl so like 10 years that's a lot of money that's a lot of money so previously to that it was coors light was the the league's logger they had paid a whole bunch of money but this is this was like a pretty one-of-a-kind deal to to become the sponsor for that long and it was like one of the highest rates ever paid to sponsor anything too as well wow um yeah so uh, a little history on bud budweiser bud light i mean it's essentially uh it's the same beer just a little bit lighter than a budweiser uh in 1857 aldolf busch left germany and immigrated to the united states in 1876 budweiser was brewed for the first time in the style of a bohemian lager beer that had become so popular in Bush's native Germany. Bush used uh, the variation of what Budweiser beers in Europe had been called the king of beers. Uh, so that's something that we, you know. Uh, the Budweiser, which was as the town of Budweiser, was originally founded by King Otker II of Bohemia. So he used that uh, town the, the right. beer that they had uh, drank oh. for his own beer, calling it the King of Beers, which led to the iconic crown that has defined Budweiser's aesthetic ever since. Production was suspended in during Prohibition and during World War II. Budweiser gave up its West Coast market to save space on rail cars for their effort. Uh, following World War II, Budweiser beca- began a market climb, reaching $25 million uh, bar- or sorry, reaching 25 million barrels per year in sales by 1977 and almost doubling that number by 1988. In 1982, Budweiser expanded its offerings with Bud Light, uh, which exploded. Oh, so in it's popularity. really new. Bud Light is well, pretty new. I mean, yeah, no, so- according to me, that's history. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it makes no. your history cut off. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it exploded into popularity almost immediately and it continues to be enjoyed by millions of Americans today. So I, I, I thought I'd give you a little history on Budweiser. Otherwise I would have just read Budweiser <laughs> Bud Light was made in 1982. <laughs> and it's just as fucking sure. gross as it ever was. Yeah. So I had to make an awkward uh, trip today to go to the liquor store and buy just one Bud Light <laughs> on a Tuesday. Uh, and I got a big boy too. And I was Ooh. like, I feel like an alcoholic, but I'm going to, so I've been drinking that. I'm going to open a different kind of beer, maybe from Canada of a same similar taste. <laughs> I'm do a little taste test here. What, you're going to go, you're going to compare them? Yeah. One tastes like beer. One tastes like water. Okay. I was just checking. <laughs> just checking. 
Yeah, the uh, the Bud Light is a very light tasting lager. Like it's well, not four percent too, right? So that's we call is my that what the light means. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do we like a my... Bud Light lime though. That that I will drink all summer. We call my aunts the Bud Light Extreme Team. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> they can just dummy a twenty four and. <laughs> yeah no it is it's really like drinking <laughs> water so if you're going out on a boat or i don't know going to watch a football game and you don't want to be mm. shit canned by the end of the first half you can uh have 15 bud lights and keep on a plugging but also once again and this just dawned on me is mm. the marketing strategy behind selling a light beer because mm-hmm. people want to feel drunk and they're yeah. just gonna keep buying more true Again, True. NFL with the market <laughs> comes in for an insane win. I know this. Do you, Kyron? Would you say are you because you are a marketing strategist by by trade? Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you say the NFL is the most? Because you also know a lot about soccer as well. Would you say that it's the most? I think it's the most marketable. Yeah, by far. I just the personalities in the sport. I think outshine so many other sports like I'm a huge huge hockey fan grew up as a Canucks fan but the Detroit Red Wings and Steve Eiserman have a special place in my heart and um I just the the personalities are very different the the atmosphere of the games is very different um I mean there's some great rivalries in in arenas in hockey but nothing compared to what I have felt in NFL stadiums and even in stadiums that I've been in that the Steelers don't play in like when I've just gone and watched other teams because I enjoy the sport and their their TV rights their alcohol rights just the commercial costs during the Super Bowl like everything about it is just go big or go home I will say this the Americans know how to cheer for team like sports like they do going down and watching any game there. Yeah. Like the crowd is it ride or die. Like they're having yeah. it's so loud. It's so much fun. It's such a big production. Like yeah. it is something that we're just like a little more like, atta boy, we're gonna mm-hmm. give her 110 there, fella. And then you go down to the US and they're like, this like the stands are shaking. It's so much right. fun. It's it, yeah, in- the Atmosphere. It's just, it's really indescribable. Like, I know for me, like, I've been to a lot of Canucks games. We used to be season ticket holders. And, and I don't remember, like, I remember against San Jose when we won the series in, what, 2011? We went to the Stanley Cup finals um, in the division championships like I remember that game was so overwhelming the atmosphere when Bieksa scored off the stanchion that I like teared up right um but I don't like during the regular league games like I love the atmosphere for the sport but I'm not getting that emotional that's a Canucks thing though yeah that that's also that might be controversial although we when we because Kyron and I saw the New York Rangers yeah (laughs) Um, that wasn't I wouldn't say that audience was 
Uh, no, I like, specifically remember some 12-year-old, he wasn't actually 12, but a 12-year-old giving his friend like life advice that he should open up a ski shop or oh, it was just... Yeah, yeah a enough. ski shop, in brick and mortar ski shop in the middle of Manhattan. That's what he was advising That's this guy. Money's <laughs> and I remember Carl and I, when we left that game, went off on how stupid this guy was. That was way more entertaining sometimes than the hockey, to be fair. That was so <laughs> beyond the pale. But yeah, I think I think um, I've been to like Flames games. It's just like you're in tears the whole time. Okay. I'm sure I've been to Flames games where it's boring as shit. But I've never I been to a play, a, right? I mean, if there's I a just, rivalry there, it's always going to be yeah. an incredible oh, experience. Yeah. If we like play last... Arizona ever, it's the most boring game I've ever oh, been yeah. to. But I feel like that's when Arizona plays anyone. Yeah, dude, it's, <laughs> it's so, I, you know what? And I took Darcy Kemper for my stupid goalie from oh. Arizona. Why? Because I, I have like some undying hate for Toronto. So I could have picked Frederick Anderson, but instead I was like, I'll go Kemper, ride or die. And I hate Arizona. Because they're such a boring team to watch. So now every time they're on, I'm like, I guess I'll watch this. Oh. I was, uh, was going to ask you, can you hit us up with some fun facts? Yeah. Yeah. So the first one um, is just based on the alcohol side of things. Mm. Um, so Nielsen did a study based on the 2015-2016 season of beer sales and so of the top beers per team or for each team. So I figured I'd give the facts about the three teams we've all chosen. So the mm-hmm. Bills, because that's going to be your team, Brittany. Sure. I, um, yep. I'm, I'm ride or die like, Bills. You have yeah. to. Do, do you like the colors? Is the col- Are the colors okay? The colors are suitable. I have a jersey. And for some odd reason, I found a helmet at a garage sale. Oh, so I also have a helmet. All right. Good for you. And it's all East Coast, right? Yeah, which is weird, well, so. yeah. <laughs> you can't watch it on normal cable. Um, but the Bills, so their top selling beer still is Miller Lite. Uh, yeah, that yeah. tracks. Yep, that tra- I've been to Buffalo. Um, that tracks. <laughs> uh, for the Steelers, their top selling beer has been Guinness. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Not a drink I would drink a lot of. At a game, it's not what I'm sipping on. I love Guinness, but at a game, it's, yeah, no. That's a lot. Did you know Um, Guinness has one of the most, the lowest caloric value of any other beer? So it's actually just dark in color, but actual in body, it's actually, it could be a sipping beer. I think it has a lot of nutrients as well in it. Apparently, if you drink enough of them, you don't have to eat anything else. So what I'm learning is Steelers fans are very um, healthy. Yes. Yeah. That's, That's exactly it. Yep. And, uh, and the bears aware of their calorie intake. Um, the bears, <laughs> there they have two. One is Guinness, okay, and the other is Coors. I don't know. I don't know what I would Guinness. be happy with. If they said rum and coke, I would be probably impressed. But that's not a beer. So, <laughs> I mean, for me personally, every Steelers game I've gone to, I'm usually sipping on Blue Moon. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. Which is. It's like hey, an orange. That's like a white one, right? Yeah. Because I find being like a weedier type mm-hmm. of beer, um, I'm not chugging it. Which yeah. It's a nice, like it's not too heavy. I like that beer. Yeah. So um, you can easily sip it during a game. But I mean, yeah, like I won't have, like if I'm at a hockey game, 
I get Canadian or whatever is that kind of light Budweiser. I'm a key, I'm a Keith gal. I'll order oh, a Keith. I'm yeah, with more you often there, than not. Brittany. I'm with you on the Keith stream there. Yeah, I like it. Keith's is a good. Uh, it's a good drinking beer. It's a good beer to toss a clamato into. <laughs> Ooh. Just be an old. Oh. 98-year-old man who I just have to say I really appreciate no I appreciate that because every time I do it out here in Vancouver my friends look at me like I'm the weirdest person dude I I did it in in Calgary I did it in Ontario like I was uh, doing shows out in Ontario it was like Vaughn which is like north of Toronto and I yes love Vaughn love the Vaughn Mills (laughs) Mall which was where I was performing just outside the Vaughn Mills Mall um i'm a pretty big deal <laughs> they were like they were like it's 20 dollars." i was like i'm headlining they're like oh uh just sit in the back i guess then till the show's done <laughs> uh <laughs> uh and i was i ordered a clamato and i was like can i get a quiche and a clamato and a side of clamato and they were like sure so they gave me a whole pint quiche and then a whole pint of clamato <laughs> And then the waitresses watched me from like behind the thing to see what I was going to do with the Clamato. <laughs> so I like waved them over and I was like, do you not know what I'm going to do with this? And they were like, no, it looks so disgusting. We thought you were just going to chug a pint of Clamato. <laughs> and I was like, no, like when somebody asked, put it in like a little side glass. And they're like, what are you going to, and I put it in the beer and they were like, oh, and I was like, is this not something anybody does here? And they're like, nope. <laughs> And I was like, it must be like a Western Canadian thing or something. Yeah, I don't know. So so Carla kept bringing up the pig thing, the pig skin. Um, (laughs) So I know that's not correct. I just I like to. Um, this oh okay. So it's actually they're made from cows. So animal lovers aren't gonna love this, but it takes three thousand cows to supply the NFL with enough leather for a year's supply of football. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. So I hope some of that game, on one of those barbecues yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah, and uh, each home team in a game has to provide twenty four of them. And per game. Made, per game. No. Per game. Per game. game. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh why god. there's. Yeah, that many are needed to wow. supply. Yeah, huh. that's and then Tom Brady little... will poke a hole in them. And that's yeah, I was going to say Tom Brady will deflate them. He didn't poke a hole; he deflated <laughs> them. Okay. Yeah, poking that's the hole would have just made it go dead. Oh, okay. And he did yeah, it because right. he said he could get a better grip on it. Yeah, that—that's what yeah, the rumors say allegedly. Uh-huh. Yeah, allegedly. That's cheating. Like, I could make a lot more money if I steal money from the bank, but <laughs> technically that's still illegal. That's awesome. Well, so we keep yeah, interrupting your friends. Long hist- that's okay. Right. There's just a long history of Brady and people's <laughs> cheating. But, I mean, the like, guy did go to a whole new team and make the Super Bowl again. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I hate him, but you got to re- respect the athlete part. Oh, oh that yeah. reminds me to say just a small fact about the Super Bowl that actually the two first ones were called the AFL NFL championship games. Okay. Um, right. And they didn't become the Super Bowl until the third season. And, but the media still refers to it as Super Bowl one and two, which is false though. It was the AFL NFL championship. When was that? Sorry. When was the first one? Well, it was Super Bowl 20 in 1886. So then would it be, 66 
That seems short. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Six, 67. But it's been around, like, the NFL's been around for a long time. Yeah, they've had their 100th hundredth, uh, hundredth season last year or the year before. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, sorry, but 67. And uh, I can't remember who they played, but I know Green Bay won hmm. the first and second Super Bowl. And maybe they will win this one? No, they lost to Tampa on Sunday. Carlos shot in the dark. And did they win? The, did they do enough downs? <laughs> no, they, they didn't hit the ball through the thingy enough times. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, this is a, well, because we've talked so much about tailgating and food and the community aspect mm-hmm. of football. Um Except for Thanksgiving, Super Bowl Sunday is when people in the U.S. consume the highest amount of food of any day in the year. I did read that. That's an incredible statistic. That is so random. But to (laughs) me, I'm just like, that's the power of football. Yes. The excuse to eat a ton of food, which I 100% agree with. I mean, before this season and COVID, I... Even friends that don't like football, I would force to come over and watch the Steelers play. Um, just because I also like to entertain. So I would cook a lot. So I do like big brunch spreads because a lot of the games would be at 10 a.m. or yeah. afternoon games. I just, I like to cook and I just love to make like five different kinds of chicken wings. And football and chicken wings, football or sports and chicken wings just go sports hand in hand for me. Like yeah. literally when we started talking about food, and I'm like on like a diet that I cheat on at least once a day. So I'm not on a diet. Uh, I'm like, every, as soon as we started talking about food, I was like, oh, I want chicken wings. I want Parmesan dusted chicken wings and blue cheese dressing. Remember when you could go to a pub and then you could watch the hockey and you could have chicken wings? I'm a, There's the <laughs> NHL on tonight. I'm ordering up some dirty chicken wings. Nice. Um, now, I, now I'm thinking about chicken. Food. I mean, like Super Bowl is a big. I actually used to go for many years to a friend's Super Bowl party, and they would do. You had to put alcohol in it in your food. You would bring it, be like a buffet stuff. And but it is so interesting, like how associated it is with the food, and even yet just the Sunday. Yeah, you assume you're gonna sit eating your Doritos or whatever. Like all of oh, that Doritos, stuff is yeah. like. Like, I would identify Doritos more with football than I would with, like, say, hockey or something like that. You know, there is a lot of food that is just, it's just associated with the NFL. It's so crazy how well they've done this marketing thing. Yeah. I mean, random stereotypical weird fact about me and Mm. food on Sunday. So I love, I love, I love M&M's, like, to put out. Um, oh, M and M's not sorry, not the not the meat frozen. <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> I love M and M's too. Yeah, like they, they do a good spinach stuff. artichoke dip. <laughs> the candy. Okay, um, okay, sorry. And, and random thing is, so whoever the Steelers are playing, I remove the colors of that team. Oh, that's lovely. That's a nice tradition, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Yeah, if the color of the other team is in the in the pack, I I remove them. Just I like and I think it has an effect on the game, which I know it doesn't. <laughs> I was I was very um, superstitious as a as an athlete myself, 
and then now watching, I've realized how weird it is that I am for teams I support because I know I have nothing to do with it. Being an ex-athlete, I know like you didn't you didn't feel like the power of the fan like holding something in their left hand rather than their right hand making oh, sure dude, that goal. I threw out a jersey because uh, we lost in the finals to Tampa Bay in two thousand seven. I think there was the disallowed goal. And oh, yeah. uh, so a Calgary lot, Calgary would have won, but there was a disallowed goal that now like that experts look back on and they're like, Oh yeah, that was in. Um, oh, so if they would have called that goal, we would have won the cup that year. Oh uh, no, you threw out your, you threw out your Stanley cup playoff Jersey. Uh-huh. Brittany. Garbage. Brittany. See what I do is if I wear, <laughs> I wear a shirt, um, and the team and the Steelers lose, I have to switch on to the next shirt. But if they if they win, um, then I keep wearing that that shirt <laughs> for the next game. Well, not every day. I just right. Sometimes you wear just a black shirt or a white shirt yeah. or a yeah. Yeah. You do wear a lot of yellow though, to be fair. Yeah, no, but I have enough <laughs> um enough Steelers gear that I have enough shirts to wear. Oh, I probably have over 30 between shirts and jerseys. Well over. So I, I can alternate very easily. <laughs> I saw, Brittany, your TikTok today where you strip from <gasps> down through all of your Calgary <laughs> Flames. Brittany, you're on TikTok? Oh, yeah. I'm on. I call it TikTok for the kids because I like didn't know about all, my niece was the only one I knew who had TikTok. So I thought it was like for children. And then I went on there to like follow her account. And then I was like, oh, there's a lot of neat stuff on here. <laughs> so then I made a TikTok because I was like, oh, I want to do the TikTok for the kid dances. And uh, I'm going to follow you now. It's fun. I uh, They're just like fun videos to make. But I made a video where I stripped down from like uh, a winter, a flames winter jacket through to a jersey, through to a t-shirt, down to a tank top. And I'm just like, I think I entitled it like when somebody asks you to change during flame season. <laughs> And then I just go down. <laughs> but also, you know what's sad about that? Not all the flames clothes I own. <laughs> I, I had to like go through them and be like, oh, this works good for this. <laughs> like, there's more. I, uh, it's embarrassing. That's, That's um, like one thing the NFL does really well with marketing, um, with licensing. They, for like every holiday, they have certain gear um, for their charities in certain months. They do certain gear. And even though I know that they're trying to like get you to to buy this stuff, I work in marketing. I fully understand what they're trying to do. I still need every single thing. So I have 36 different Steelers tubes um, that are just <laughs> unnecessary. Um, oh, 100%. I don't wear hats that often, but. As soon as they came out with any of the retro stuff, I was like, must yeah. have. Mm -hmm. Right. My, I asked for a retro Flames jersey for Christmas, and my mom was like, you're a 35-year-old lady. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I don't understand. Yeah, that, I, don't, I don't agree with that argument. That doesn't make any She's sense. She's like, you want but your main you Christmas like gift to be a jersey. And I was like, that is correct. Yeah. It's better <laughs> than you asking for some kind of fancy whole Renfrew That's true. Right? Um, that has a cape on the back. Let me give you a Steelers fact. Okay. Um, which I think is kind of interesting. I'll give you two, one really short one and then the good one. Um, they're the only, there's only been eight instances in NFL um, history 
um, where teams have won back-to-back championships and the Steelers are the only team to pull it off twice and that was in 1975 1976 and then again in 1979 1980 wow yeah so we're special and one thing I love like an interesting fact about them is they have very unique helmets compared to the other 31 teams in the NFL they're the only league or the only franchise in the league to feature the team's logo on only one side of the helmet. Um, Their original logo was, or their current logo was originally used as advertisement for the American Iron and Steel Institute in 1962. And they weren't, Steelers weren't sure if they liked it. So they only tested it on one side of the team's helmet. Um, And when they decided the helmet color would be permanently black, they decided, you know what? because they were having winning seasons, um, they decided that the kind of superstitiously that the logo would only stay on the right side. So they're actually the only team team that does that. That's pretty. I just pulled up a picture. They do have a great logo. Yeah. I love it. Classic logo. Well, thank you very much. Those are, I'm so glad that you did them and we didn't because we would have yeah. never known any of those things. <laughs> And they were like, they were fantastic. So thank you very much for being part of today's episode. Yeah. And thank you for, I feel, feel like I actually sort of know a a little bit more now about the NFL. (laughs) I feel like I I mean, I I feel like I'm an expert now, but I, I'm trying to be humble. Like you said, that coach said, be humble, be humble, work hard. I, uh, (laughs) I'm going to tell you something that if I have uh, four or five drinks and somebody asks me a question, I'm going to repeat the things you said uh, and uh, claim state to them. Like I, like I knew them and <laughs> love it. If you also want to, want to join in on loving the Steelers, that would be great too. Hey, I'm slowly no. trying to introduce. I got to be honest with you. I'm not ride or die uh, bills. I will. I have no affiliation. I'm going to send you a shirt. Oh my God. If you don't think I'll wear that every day, you are incorrect. Well, you guys, we do this every week, every Thursday. Uh, There's a new episode out. So check us out. Uh, Send us your favorite teams, Uh, a picture of you and your favorite jerseys or shirts, and we'll toss them up on Instagram. Uh, we absolutely love you for listening and a big shout out to our guest this week for coming on and helping us out. And uh, we will be back. Uh, hit us up on social media at Instagram, uh, Life Pairings Podcast, and uh, visit our website, www.lifepairingspodcast.com. If you like what you hear, hit that Patreon button and uh, uh, throw us a few bucks so we can keep it up. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> we, we love you so much and we'll see you next week thanks guys